Okay, everybody, welcome back to part two of the Link to the Cast World Cup preview. It's myself, Dave Ryan, joined as I was in part one by Jack Lazell and Mark Robinson. Let's waste no time and just get into the thick of it. Group E is Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia. Um, I, I don't think there's that much of a battle for the first place in this group, guys, but uh, uh, second place could be an interesting grab. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I, I can't really... I think it's really difficult with, with these three to place who I think is going to finish. I guess Costa Rica may be looking slightly weaker than they were four years ago, but Serbia and, and Switzerland, I find it very difficult to separate. Mark, what do you think of this group? Obviously, Brazil would have been happy with it because I think they can slowly find their pace in this group and probably not take much of their considerable skill to uh, coast through here. Ah, look, it's Brazil's to win. I mean, you know, it doesn't really... There's not much more to say after that. Um, Looking at the other teams, I mean, Costa Rica um, didn't really show much against England the other night. Um... Other than Marcus Rashford, he showed a lot that night. Um, <laughs> Switzerland are always kind of... Uh, uh, they have players, they could always go far, but never really do that much. Uh, Serbia, I don't actually know a whole lot about, so I'm going to leave that to Jack to probably provide me with a wealth of uh, information. Uh, I've got so I've got some Serbia takes as well. All right, fair enough. So I'll... I'll I'll wait and see what you two have to say, but I mean, it's Brazil and then, I don't know, throw a a dartboard with the other three names and see what you come out with. Weakest team probably in the group, as you say, Jack, they've only really kind of gotten a little bit weaker over the last four years since they made a great showing at the last World Cup. But Costa Rica, is it safe to say their hopes hang pretty entirely on the likes of Joel Campbell and Fulham legend Brian Ruiz? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you could call him a Fulham legend, but... I, I have. Sure. But sure, why not? Joel Campbell was one of those guys that I, I remember a few years ago. <laughs> one of my favourite things, like, of, of just being shite Hawk fans, Arsenal fans, um, shouting at Joel Campbell. Um, you know, it, I think it was the day where Wenger fell over and they were jeering him on the in a train station. I think in Stoke. Do you remember this, Dave? And they, they, yeah. they were shouting at Joel Campbell, Jolie, get out while you can, mate. Like, indicating that Joel Campbell was destined for bigger and better things in his career than, than finishing fourth in the Premier League every single year. Well, unfortunately, hasn't really shaken out that well for Joel Campbell. Hasn't scored an international goal since 2016. And, you know, despite having a lot of promise, it just hasn't really been doing a lot. Brian Ruiz not really getting in the team that much for sport in Lisbon. bit maybe past his prime at this point. But I kind of hesitate to fully write them off because of the way that they all came together and played so spectacularly in the last World Cup. You know, getting through a group where they had Uruguay, England and Italy in it was an incredible achievement. It was, and they got, made it all the way to the quarterfinals of the last World Cup. But the other night, they were very poor against England. So... I don't know. You don't want to rely too much on on what you've seen a few years ago. You do want to kind of keep a a more modern and and up-to-date take on them. So if I do have to do that, then I am going to have to write Costa Rica off as even having really the smallest chance uh, of getting anything through this group. 
Uh, when you turn to Serbia, then, you the, the word that comes to mind looking at some of the players in here is experience, Jack. Um, you've got a, a defense that's going to likely involve Branislav Ivanovic and Alexander Kolarov. Kolarov, who had uh, a, a, a really good season uh, back in Serie A. Uh, was it he was one of the top four players in the league for creating chances uh, at Roma this year, uh, which is quite something for a man of 32 years young. Uh, him and Ivanovic in the defense. You've got a, a midfield here that could feature Nemanja Matic, who, uh, a former fave of yours, uh, who bitterly broke your heart last summer, Jack. Um, and a man who has definitely shown himself up to be a very good player this year, Crystal Palace, in Luka Milivojevic. Um, what, what do you think of Serbia? Oh, of course, the possible star of this team in the World Cup, uh, the man subject to a massive bidding war of up to about a million, uh, £100 million pounds sterling in Milinkovic-Savic. Yeah, I mean, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic has been outrageously good for Lazio this year. There's a guy that's like has all the diameters of a defensive midfielder similar to Matic, but can play like, you know, one of the most interesting playmakers in, in the whole of Europe, scores a bundle of goals and is just going to be the breakout star for the Serbian team over the next few years. But yeah, you, you've dissected a lot of the positions there. I mean, I do want to shout out Branislav Ivanovic. I absolutely love him to pieces and will love him forever and this is almost certainly his last world cup at age 34 and i just hope that no one fast runs at him and exposes him because it will break my heart to see it because i had to see it for the last sort of 18 months at chelsea as as he kind of slowed down to a to a sauntering pace and yeah it he is a brilliant player and i think this definitely (laughs) could kind of be the swan song for him kolarov on the other hand is actually improved funnily enough um since he's been at roma he, he was really really good at, at Stamford bridge for for roma earlier this year against chelsea when i watched him scored a brilliant goal so he definitely offers something from from set plays and, and crosses as you mentioned the the part of the field you didn't actually pick up on dave though which i think could be interesting is just how good alexander mitrovic has been for the last six months he's always been you know favored he was he was a figure of, of some comedy for a little bit. He's always been favoured as a prospect, though. Like you say, yeah. the comedy comes in the fact that he would just always end up punching someone or kicking someone <laughs> and getting himself sent off after 20 minutes off the bench. But he went to Fulham and was getting some pretty amazing service and scoring a hat full of goals and scored a hat trick in the last warm-up game. So he's coming in in, in blazing form. And when you've got the likes of Lajic and Savic and Dusan Tadic providing chances for him, then if he can keep that consistency that we've seen at Fulham and we've seen in the uh, warm-up games, then Serbia not only have the incredibly, like, weighty core um, of Matic and um, Milivojevic but they also have a pretty interesting forward line as well so to me this has the the makings of a sort of dark horsey quarterfinal run type team if everything goes in their favour I don't know how you, you feel about that yeah, I think these. this is a team that if, if everything can gel together um, with some of the 
some of the talent they have and some of the like it, it is a great mixture of like emerging talent like Milinkovic Savic and a, a lot of experience and some of the older players in here with Ivanovic being the only one who's so experienced to the point of like he may fall apart uh, <laughs> if someone runs at him um but yeah they, they have the perfect mix of that in this squad um mark you said you didn't have a, a wealth of takes on serbia but uh, given the discussion that's just taken place has that reframed anything for you how are you feeling about serbia yeah now you've kind of gone through some of that um and kind of having a proper look over um the squad because uh, a lot of the names kind of blur together uh in a hopefully they didn't come across as entirely uh, ignorant, but um, forget about like forget about the likes of yeah. forget about the likes of Nemanja <laughs> um, who yeah, and he's leading the, well, partly in the line as vice captain, uh, and I've totally forgotten about uh, Mitrovic, who yeah, he's he's definitely turned around in the last six months. Um, out of the teams that aren't Brazil, I guess you probably would go with with Serbia, um, uh, and certainly in a kind of dark horse type run through the tournament. So, um, yeah, uh, you, you, you're probably onto something there. Switzerland, uh, I think, in a word, you could say solid. This is a this is a side that like I would not want to play against. Uh, I would have headaches. They 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 like to keep things very tight, shut things down. But at the same time, they have a, a mercurial forward in uh, Jordan Shakiri who those get, we, we had a recent discussion about him, Jack. And when he does show up, which is sometimes just about one game in five, he is untouchable. Um, but he'll be the man they're surely looking to if they want to try and nab that second spot in this t- in this group. Yeah, I've got written down in my notes here, Shakiri will do something um, in capital letters because the last ridiculous goal in that last World Cup, didn't they? Or was it in the Euros? So the last two tournaments, we saw that ridiculous goal in the Euros, as you mentioned, Dave, and he actually banged a hat trick in in their last group stage game in the World Cup. So that's what I'm thinking of. There will be a Shakiri moment. So there will be something to savor here. Uh, And as for the rest of the side, as, yeah, Solid kind of sums them up nicely. They've got a few players, like they had a really good, another really good youth team a few years ago that, that's sort of been gradually working its way in. I think a lot of people have expected Mbolo to kind of be a little bit further along in his development yeah, than I he has Yeah, I think we've been waiting him to arrive for a couple of years now. Yeah, but he's still 21, which says to me that he can get there. Um, there's guys in here like Valon Barami, Rodriguez, and Lick Steiner that are just reliable, good players. Um, there's potential absolute chaos in yeah. people like Juru <laughs> and Roman Berkey, who makes insane mistakes uh, in goal for for Borussia uh, Dortmund this year. Speaking of speaking of insane mistakes and uh, standout moments, can we expect a Granite Jacker moment? And I don't mean yeah. when he bangs one in, top bins from miles out. I mean the the kind of Granite Jacker moment we see more often. Yeah, the sort of moment where he's just been booked and then he goes and scythes someone down two minutes later in a completely brainless challenge. Yes, uh, there is that part of his game that that is a little bit of a worry for me. So yeah, I, I look at this team and I see a team that is functional. I see a team that is well organized. I, they were so unconvincing in those two games against Northern Ireland. Day. I don't know if you saw any of it, but... They went through on a penalty, which uh, at best 
you could describe as debatable. At worst, you could describe as the single greatest disgrace against Northern Ireland since England had anything to do with it. So I just don't know really if this is a team that uh, not only that will get through to the next round, but that I particularly want to get through to the next round. Because, uh, I mean, they also, what was it, 2006, that game against Ukraine, the worst game of World Cup history. Uh, yeah, there's that. If it if it doesn't happen from Shakiri, then you're probably not going to want to watch anything from Switzerland. I, re- I reckon a number of eyes will be on Mbolo for this World Cup because he's you know he's at 25 caps, so he's got a bit of experience under his belt on the international level. Uh, and yeah, as you've mentioned, you know a lot of people are waiting to see him become the player that think the player that people think he will become. Which again, he is only 21. Um, so this is kind of the perfect platform for him to, to you know, make a name for himself and really say, hey, you know, this is the player that I can be. Um, but just as a whole, the, the squad isn't particularly exciting. And as you've mentioned with the likes of Shaka, um, there is the possibility that it could all go wrong in a heartbeat. Um, so I'm not expecting much from this team. Moving on to the favorites for the group, Brazil. Um, without wanting to like go through the squad top to bottom as I have with a couple, um, I'll just go straight to Jack. This isn't the Brazil of four years ago, uh, and we shouldn't expect them to be that cowering shambles of a team that got an absolute rollicking off Germany. But at the same time, there are some frailties in this squad that I don't think they'll be eagerly anticipating finding Germany at any point in the knockout stages. Yeah, I think the way that I've done a couple of uh, run-throughs of where I've expected Germany um, and Brazil to meet, and it tends to be the semi-finals. So can you imagine that? Dave, <laughs> like the world back again in the World Cup semi-finals. Like, I remember they talked four years ago about how like it was such a loss as to that w- there are losses sometimes that will traumatize a generation of players, and I can absolutely see them getting to a semi-final against Germany and absolutely, absolutely getting the shits up them about the concept of playing Germany again after how it went last time. Yeah, it it was. It was sad, like you know. Sometimes, I mean, I'm I'm sure like Argentina or whatever, a few other South American nations are particularly fond of Brazil. Probably felt a bit like Schadenfreude for it, but there was just nothing enjoyable about watching Brazil just get torn completely to shreds. It was sad. It was. I will. I will painful. say. I will say a mate of mine who was sitting beside me as we watched that game had a bet on that that match would be nil-nil at halftime and Brazil would go on to win. So I found something very entertaining about that game. <laughs> well, he's an idiot. Um, no offense. <laughs> Sup, Ben. <laughs> yeah, poor Ben. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sure you're a nice gentleman. Um, but yeah, if we ignore that and we I, kind of I, put that... I just want to say, I mean... They did beat Germany in a friendly a couple of months ago. Now, I'm not saying that completely takes that ghost off of their back, but surely that goes some way to alleviating some of that. England once annihilated Germany in a friendly, and that counted for shit all, really. Hey, that was a World Cup That was a World Cup qualifier, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, well, that's, yes, yes. But yes, Emil Heskey scored in that game, and yeah, that counts for everything that that says. September the 1st, 2001. But... 
still, they <laughs> have beat Germany since then, and that has to give them some level of comfort. It's like, okay, we can beat this team, and we're not going to get destroyed seven one again. So I'm just, just, just putting it out there. Um. Any other takes on this Brazilian team? Mark, as a United fan, you'll be excited to see uh, if Fred, not that one, uh, plays a bit at this World Cup and what he's like, the, the new United signing from Shakhtar. Uh, to be honest, I don't really get excited about much with United at the moment because um, I'm, I'm already kind of way past the honeymoon period with Mourinho. But yes, I'd be quite curious to see how he performs at this tournament and really just how Brazil handle themselves because uh, right, yes I've just pointed out that they did beat Germany but that that exit was about as spectacular as an exit from a World Cup as you could possibly see um, and I mean I enjoyed it greatly um, but I mean this group I can't see them having any issues um, they've got youth on the side but they also have uh, a ton of experience um, and <sighs> It's. Do you feel like um, because the last tournament was kind of like the big song and dance is about Neymar, but it doesn't really feel like that that's been the case with this one. Oh, oh it has. <laughs> it's still. It's a case of like there are a lot of as I was gonna kind of say a bit later. Like there, there is a lot of kind of. Hey, there's a lot of talented forwards in here. You, you look at the the the, the Premier League. Uh, players in this forward line of Willian, Firmino and Gabriel Jesus so there's there's good kind of like there's good talent in this attack where if Neymar wasn't up to it there's still some people to kind of carry the load but uh, unless you, you disagree Jack I, I think a lot of people it's still for most people all about Neymar as Neymar wants it to be yeah um, I think the thinking of him getting fit or not for the world cup as well kind of played into it but he is back and he is fit now so he will no doubt be a bit of a sideshow the thing that i think is different about this brazil squad from the last one is that they actually have two very viable options up front now they were in the last world cup looking at like fred and and joe who were like both kind of nonsense footballers really that that really aren't going to get you anywhere in a, in a tournament if you're wanting to try and win it at least. Whereas now Jesus and um, Firmino up front, that's two absolutely top class strikers that they can rely on to, to get the job done. Even if Firmino is a bit more like nine and a half in the way he plays, I think that will kind of suit the likes of Neymar buzzing around him and maybe even Douglas Costa, depending on how they line up and, and who they go with in their attacking line. But, yeah, I, I look at this Brazil team. Perhaps the only area of concern for me is the is the midfield that it's not particularly great in terms of possession football. Like you've got some strong players in there. You've got your Fernandinho's and, and and Fred and and Casemiro, strong physical players, but not necessarily the guys that you're going to want to rely on to be retaining possession. And if a team presses up on this Brazil. But it could cause them a few problems. So if they just, as long as they can find a nice pipeline to their forward line, then I think they'll go pretty damn deep in the tournament and win this group at consummate stroll. They also had an absolute shambles of a Copa America two years ago. Um, so I wonder as well how much that will play into, I don't know, their mentality. Um, but yeah, but Argentina have been in the final of the last two Copa Americas, and I think 
Brazil will get further than, yeah, than I, this no, I, mean, I no, definitely no think doubt. that Brazil will get through the, the group stages that goes without saying um, but it was an interesting thing to, to point out if nothing else um, so let's call it for this group uh, Brazil and who <laughs> start with Mark uh, I've gone for Brazil and Serbia I will also go Brazil and Serbia Jack and me too yeah, nice, nice bit of agreement there on that one. Group F, the reigning champions, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and Korea, South Korea. Um, again, this is another case of like Group E. We would all imagine, I think, Mark, Germany to win this group at a canter. That seems fair. That seems, uh, that seems reasonable. Not going to argue with you on that one. <laughs> But uh, also, Jack, there, there, there is some interesting stuff in this battle for second place. Um, I don't necessarily rate Korea's chances huge, but part of the romanticism of 2002 is coming into my head going, oh, give him a chance, give him a chance. Um, but there's a I hate decent- that 2000. I really hate it. Like, if you go back and watch that Italy game again, oh, my. As much as you want an underdog to do well, they were Italy were robbed. They were yeah. absolutely like taken <laughs> down what, a back alley, beaten up, generation. had their wallet, shoes, and keys stolen, and fucking just left by the referee in that the game. Idea it that was that, embarrassing. The idea that that group of Italian players didn't have a World Cup is incredible. Like you had Christian Vieri in his prime in that World Cup, and among others, and yeah, they got dicked. <laughs> Well, yeah, it shows what happened like four years later when they went and won the thing that like yeah. essentially the nucleus of the same squad just yeah. shows how badly they were screwed over in that game. Um, talk to me about kind of like a best from the rest selection here. I think there are a couple of interesting players in, in the Swedish squad and in the Mexican squad, but I don't think any of them are going to be enough to, to trouble Germany. Well, what do you think about the, the other three teams in this group? Jack. No, no, no one's troubling Germany at all. Um, Sweden, there's a lot more of a unity about the squad. I think perhaps now they're not guided around one like dominating figure in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> I never, never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he kind of teased that he might be at the World Cup, but uh, it's with Isa. That's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, although to me, I look at it and I just think, has that pressure just? now flipped onto Mill Forsberg to essentially do it all himself and be the guy that creates chances rather than the guy that's putting them away like they really again another Italy thing but they scraped through that game against Italy yes Italy were terrible but I think they were like two goals ahead of them on the XG in that game um, and, and still managed to just about get through that game so this is a bonus World Cup for them I think if they look at it that way, like they they know that perhaps they have that freedom of thinking that they probably should have been eliminated but weren't. So to just go on and do it, their strikers really concern me, Dave. Like Marcus Berg, never been particularly consistent at international level, has been playing out in uh, Saudi Arabia. So not particularly convinced by him. And John Gadetti, who at one stage was like this blazing hot ball of potential has just sort of collapsed into, into still, nothingness really. still only 26 as well yeah there you go so what are you gonna what are you gonna achieve with those guys up front probably not a lot just 
Forsberg is going to have to literally smash the ball off one of them in to score a few goals, I think, for Sweden. But there's not a lot here uh, that excites me. It's a last World Cup for Seb Larsson, though, probably. And he's been a, a very good player for them and has an excellent free kick slash set piece slash corner on him. So no doubt he's going to create a few chances here for them. It's just whether or not they can finish them off. Mm. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts on the, the other three teams in this group that are in Germany? <sighs> it is sad we don't have Ibrahimovic. It really is. Um, yeah, there's not really much to the, the Swedish team. Um, I immediately, when I looked over the squad and I saw Marcus Berg and I was like, where is he playing? And I was like, oh, that's that's not promising in terms of actually getting goals. Um, I forgot that Sweden and the reason that Italy aren't in this World Cup. And I actually had completely forgotten that Italy weren't in this World Cup. And I've looked at like all the groups about 100 times over the last two days. Um, so, yeah, that was a shocking realisation or a remembering of that um i again i don't see much of sweden uh south korea i'm sure you know they're going to enjoy the ride um mexico out of the three teams i guess have been the most consistent over the past say six I, months or so big, big shout out as well for big rafa marquez coming in for his fifth world cup if he gets a game that's mad 39 Five years months. old Jeez. with a pending drug traffic in charge in America. <laughs> Hands up for Rafa Marquez. Um, Me- Mexico, incidentally, have been eliminated in the round of 16 in every World Cup they've been in since 1994. So, shrug shoulders there. But, like, out, out of the three teams, I mean, would we say maybe the most prolific goal scorer out of the three squads would be Hernandez? Um, so, like, you know. Because you're going to have to get goals to get through, and I can see Mexico finding goals there uh, more so than Sweden and uh, South Korea. They also have um, Irving Chucky Lozano, who is another guy picked to catch a few people's attention at this tournament. Like He was another guy who's been featuring heavily and playing really well in the Eredivisie. scored 17 goals in 29 games for PSV this season, so pretty damn impressive from from him really uh i think hernandez is 30 by the way that that's a scary statistic yeah he still looks 21 that's what his that's where your like your brain doesn't quite add up 49 goals by the way for for mexico pretty pretty incredible record definitely a one every other kind of game goal scorer uh all the way throughout his career very impressive stuff uh yeah i didn't mention career it's going to be Son, isn't it? If anyone's going to do anything, like the rest of the squad, I don't know a huge amount about. I know like Juan, um, Huang Hichan was good in the Europa League run that RB Salzburg had. A uh, very decent um, team that they managed to put together and actually got further than their RB Leipzig companions. Uh, and then there's Kuja Choi, who's been basically referred to as a Korean Frank Lampard due to the way that he arrives late in the box and scores goals from midfield. So yeah, not necessarily known a lot about the rest of them. Ki Sung Young, great player, 101 caps, always very consistent uh, when he's played in the Premier League for like the basically the past decade now. So yeah, I can't see a lot of positives though really for, for a career. There's not a lot of buzz from any journalists I follow about them coming into it. So yeah, the... Uh, the other three teams in this particular group do not inspire me at all, lads. Not going to lie. It just looks like Mexico are going to get do it again and go out in the round of 16 again because that's yeah. their gimmick. 
Um, let's move on now to the world champions, Germany. Um, I think the story of Germany in this World Cup, Jack, is um, a lot of young, exciting names in this team and some question marks about some of the more experienced players, be it fitness concerns in the case of Manuel Neuer or form concerns in the likes of Mesut Ozil or Mats Hummels. Um, but, but I'm just looking here, and, and some of the younger players that are coming to this World Cup uh, very much excite me. Um, how are you feeling about Germany in this? They're obviously one of the favourites. Yeah, I think form concerns about Neuer as well. Did you see him against Austria the other day? Had a couple of clangers in that game, so that might be a little bit of a worry. Um, they've got to stay and to step in, who's had a pretty damn good season for Barcelona by all accounts, so even if Neuer isn't particularly great I, I think they're going to be just fine in that area um Germany are a very good squad they're a very good team uh, I don't really aside from like a few dodgy friendly results they've had recently I don't see an awful lot to necessarily be worried about and I think they've actually solved what the main issue of the previous World Cup was for them and that's their their striker like Timo Werner's coming in and in, in blazing hot form and at 22 years old, is is looking like he could be leading the line for Germany for the next decade or so. So that one is solved. Um, you've got guys like Goretzka, who it's his first World Cup, you know, very highly touted, had an amazing Confed Cup. Not that it counts for much last summer, but also absolutely, absolutely delighted that Marco Royce is in there, having missed yep. out narrowly on the World Cup last time. Should Comple- have a medal. Completely agree. Excellent player probably one of the better ones of that generation and it, it was gutting that he got injured just beforehand and I think had he been there they probably still would have not necessarily made that much difference because they won it anyway but he would have added another dimension to the team the defense is very solid though um, Dave so like even if Matt Hummels isn't necessarily looking particularly you know in form or botting watch Rudiger end the season looking just brilliant for Chelsea so he's quite happy to step in there lots of options in midfield and the way that they want to construct their forward line if Ozil's not necessarily a creative force and you can put Draxler in there as a proxy for him it's just all around a very very good squad there's I don't know if there's necessarily like one particular outstanding star player that you would point at. It's just strength and depth everywhere. And it's exactly what you would expect a German squad to look like. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, they've also got Thomas Muller, who tradition is, you know, a major tournament comes around. Thomas Muller wakes out of his hibernation and starts yeah. banging them in. in Specifically a way that, World Cups as well. Yeah, He's got 10 it, in the last two World Cups. In a way that beggars belief when you watch him at club level and think, what the fuck is this man even doing sometimes? He's um, got double the amount of World Cup goals that Messi and Ronaldo have combined. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, Mark, Germany, how are you feeling? Um, I mean, if it's not France, it's probably going to be Germany. Like, I can't really add more than um, what you two have kind of pointed out. I was... You brought up Muller at the end there, and yeah, like it's ridiculous what he does at the World Cup, and it's it's closer that has the the record for most goals at the World Cup, isn't it? I believe. He does. He, yeah, he pipped. Yep. He pipped. The, he pipped Il Phenomeno, the original Ronaldo. Yeah, so I I imagine Muller will probably end up taking that in this World Cup if he doesn't uh, uh, ne- another one. Um, looking at 
the the way the brackets plan out, um, they would probably have Serbia in the next round, and then after that, it could be some combination of Poland or Colombia, I reckon. Um, and I yeah, I can't see them not getting through. They're so systematic and so just the way that they uh, lay themselves out and control the ball and control the game. Basically, they do it like very few other teams can. Um, and what we saw as well to bring up again that um, Brazil game is that even though they were I think there was like 4-0 up within about 20-25 minutes it didn't matter they kept going forward they kept attacking and they kept putting in goals and you could see how frustrated they were when they led in that one goal towards the end even though it didn't matter at that point it was just the sheer principle um, of conceding uh, when there was no reason for them to do so uh, they're a terrifying team, and uh, it, semi-finals is is an easy shout for for this team. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, quite scary, very very scary. Uh, let's put our cards on the table. Uh, two teams getting out of Group F. Jack, you go first. Germany and Mexico. I agree. Yeah, Mark, I'm, I'm going that way as well. Uh, group G, one of particular interest to members of the panel here. Uh, we got Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. Um, before we talk about Belgium and England, I'm just going to turn straight away to Jack because I can guarantee without seeing all three of our notes at the same time that if anyone is going to have takes on Panama and Tunisia, it's going to be Jack Lazelle. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> Panama... Uh... Roman Torres is pretty much Panama incarnate. Have you guys seen much of Roman Torres? He is... He has to be one of my favourite guys I'm seeing in the World Cup. I, I'm loving the Roman Torres story. Uh, no. So Roman Torres is pretty much the David Beckham equivalent of, of Panamanian football at the moment. He's Even though he's a defender, he was the guy that scored the goal that took them to the World Cup. And he has like a real iconic look as well. He's got like, he's like a tall, muscular guy with like dreadlocks, but like dyed blonde and like a real sort of look of determination about him. And, you know, he's pretty much... I would imagine like his first and last World Cup. I mean, if I, I would be a miracle if they made it back here. But at 32 years old, he is pretty much skating towards the end of his career. You would have to say with Seattle Sounders at the moment. Um, but yeah, he, he's a, just awesome. Like go and look up some interviews with him. It's just full of charisma, and you know he's like that kind of Carlos Valderrama presence at the back. You know, like a larger than life character. So Panama haven't been faring too well recently since they qualified they were absolutely annihilated by switzerland 6-0 friendly a couple of months ago and all their games tend to be quite low scoring and they only scored nine in ten in qualifying so you have to look at that and think to yourself like how didn't manage to qualify when, when that was like the level of opposition they came up against is it's just mad but they did a squad valuation and the guys that is transfer marked and they compared the the total value of the panamanian squad to that of a league two squad so shrugs guys uh it could be a tough world cup for panama i think even if they managed to get a point it would be an absolute miracle to be fair uh mark do you have any thoughts on panama and tunisia oh yeah i i can see both teams uh tunisia and panama trying to uh, kind of keep things tight at the back and just, just park the bus, to say so to speak. Um, I don't know how effective that will be 
against England-Belgium. Don't want to big up England too much, but I think they can handle a counter-attack of that nature. Um, I don't know anything about it. Out of all the African teams, uh, Tunisia I probably know the least about. So, um, yeah, I, no real takes to give on Panama or Tunisia. I like Wabi Kasri. He's a good player. Indeed. Um, I think what everybody is really waiting for in this group is for us to talk about the two big dogs in the group here. Um, England, let's start there. Mark, the hopes of a nation rest upon the tattoos of Raheem Sterling. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> fucking nonsense. The, just at the 11th hour when you thought they weren't gonna, the English media just stick their fucking oar in again. How have things been, uh, like, England, as always, like, fairly routine, back to the fairly routinely qualifying for tournaments uh, with no big issues. But uh, how is the squad looking? Some people are quite excited by some of the names in this squad. Um, but are they getting carried away with themselves? How are you feeling about England in this tournament, Mark? Um, the key things to keep in mind, uh, Gareth Southgate clearly... Um, he wants to pick a squad uh, based on what's best for the team and not focused on just who are the you know the best players or whatever. Um, and he's been pretty bold with a couple of uh, omissions. Um, you look at the fact that uh, there's a particular goalkeeper not in the squad. Um, that I mean, at this point, let's face it, there, there's there's no reason. Um, Would you say that the other three keepers are head and shoulders above him at the moment? I, I'm not sure <laughs> if that's exactly the case. I see what you've done there, though. Well done. <laughs> that one's for you, Jack. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's the, good. But the interesting thing is, like, do you see either, like, Pickford or Butland, like, starting all the games? This is more for Jack. Or can you see them? Because I don't really think we have, like, an actual consistent number one now. I don't feel like we do, unless you have a different opinion Pickford. on that. Is is he? Would you say he's out and outright our number one keeper now? Well, Southgate's guy. Yeah, I think Southgate wants to play a possession game, and I think Pickford's the best guy for that. I, I actually feel like Pickford's being chosen mainly due to how comfortable he is on the ball, as opposed to like how necessarily solid he would be as a goalkeeper. Um, Butland had an all right season not great not particularly convincing same as Pickford really arguably of the three Nick Pope probably had the best season and and looked good behind a team that were spending the majority of their games defending um, which England will probably be when they get into the the last stages if they can get through this group so I'd be tempted to to go with Pickford in some games and, and maybe Pope in others but I think you want the consistency of a solid goalkeeper, so that's what Southgate will do. He'll be picking Jordan Pickford. I, I find. About, uh, sorry, I was just going to continue on with a few other, like looking at the squad. Um, it's amazing the season Jesse Lingard has, has has had that I can see him being quite a prominent role in this team and Lo- love Lionel Jesse. Probably picking up a few goals as well, where like a season ago, just I wouldn't give him the time of day. Um, I think that we'll not going to say be dependent on Harry Kane, um, but he's so just comfortable scoring goals in a manner of ways um, that it'll either be he will just 
pick a game by the scruff of the neck and just ping goals from out of nowhere. Or we'll do what we do in most tournaments and just barely scrape by it and we'll probably fucking get a Cahill goal from a set piece, which, I mean, we did the other night, um, but it won't surprise me if it happened again. Um, I don't know, it's impossible to fucking predict England because they always have the talent that they can go far, um, but they always just barely scrape by it in uh, the group stages or just don't even manage that and then go out of a whimper uh, soon after. Um, so I, it's it's impossible to predict, but you know it's kind of a it's not a go for broke, even though it does look like it's a certain degree. But I like that Southgate has gone with the picks that he has gone with, um, and I think that England played pretty well against uh, Costa Rica and uh, against Nigeria. Uh, I definitely think that we will qualify. Um, it will come down to that Belgian game, basically. Um, if we can get the victory there, but I don't know. It's always it's always difficult to know with with England. Um, who knows? Who the fuck knows? Jack, tell me what you think because we've not spoken about yeah, this. Jack, yeah, Jack. I, I I also want to to add in there uh, just to kind of kick you off on your your thoughts on the squad as a whole. Um, there's a lot of kind of younger, exciting players in this team that you're like, oh, this is actually like could be a pretty dynamic uh, attacking team here for England. And then there's the interesting inclusion of some uh, some heavy experience and age in Gary Cahill and Ashley Young. <laughs> yeah, two oldest guys in the squad, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about the squad as a whole? Well, I mean, you mentioned Cahill and Young. They're the only two guys over 30 in the squad, which is remarkable, really, when you look at it on paper. I, I think it's good that um, we have picked the team that we have because I, I think people's expectations are lower. I think that there's not as much pressure on these guys to go as far. I think people look at Southgate, and despite being the joint highest-paid coach in the World Cup which is a fact that I was flabbergasted to find out. Um, oh. But yeah, tied with Joachim Lowe at three million a year. I know who I'd rather be paying three million a year to out of those guys. But he's done a really good job so far in sort of uniting the players and just being a general settled presence Southgate. My only question would be that if we do get through the groups, tactically, is he going to have the nous to be able to see us through against more difficult teams? Because if we do finish say, second in this group, we come up against Colombia, and like I, I, immediately, I would be thinking to myself, is that going to be a problem for us, or or Poland even, but potentially win that group? So I don't know. Yeah. What were you going to say, Dave? Sorry. But what what are, what have been your like? It, it's not. The way the, the English media have been going into this World Cup, it's not like, oh, we're definitely going to win. We're definitely going to win. Anything like that. But at the same time, is the tack they're taking covering the England team even more damaging than the usual build-up of expectations? I don't think so. I think it's the opposite. As I say, I don't think there's... So there's a lot of guys in here that haven't been to World Cups before. They don't have the scar tissue of, of being, you know repeatedly criticized over and over again so there's no real resentment between the team and the media apart from perhaps sterling um who can't be feeling particularly happy but it's inevitably 
quite a strong character in the way he tends to react to these things. So I think Southgate as well in the uh, the fallout of all that reacted very well. Like the combination yeah. of like no, this tattoo thing is fucking ridiculous. But at the same time, then when he showed up 12 hours late to the training camp, he chastised him in front of the squad, made him apologize to everybody. I think that's the right way to discipline a player um, without kind of like isolating him from everyone. I, I think that's a good bit of man management there from Southgate. Yeah, as I say, everything Southgate's done up to this point, Dave, I think he's done really well. It's just the tactical side of Southgate that hasn't really been tested yet. We, we've played some pretty, you know, simple qualification games. And yeah, we, we've had a few friendlies that or you consider tough. But when it actually comes to the crunch in the, the last stage of the tournament, I'd be interested to see what his approaches are going to be. But so uh, we seem to be playing um, 3-5-2 and a lot of people expect Sterling to start off Kane. But watching Rashford the other night, like he has to be in contention after the way he played against Costa Rica. He was exceptional and loftus cheek as well has got to be a threat to like dyer henderson in that midfield and another brilliant performance so there's a lot of players who could be in the frame for for starting roles that we might not necessarily have seen that much of trent alexander arnold had an amazing game as well and if he does want to continue playing carl walker at right center back then it'd be interesting to see whether trippier does get the nod over alexander arnold because in the in the game against Panama, for instance, you might want somebody like Alexander Arnold with that with that pace to to be able to be pressed up and and press high on Panama, who are going to be sitting very deep throughout the whole whole game, really. So, yeah, there's a lot of players to be excited about. We've dealt with everything relatively well up to this point. It's just now up to the players to not go full England and completely implode in a ball of flames when we do make it to the <laughs> tournament. I think what everyone wants to see is an England team that play some decent progressive football and aren't, you know, solely dependent on, on one or two players to, to do everything. Like they want to see a team. They want to see unity. And for all accounts so far, that that's pretty much the way it's going. And Harry Kane... He would be the guy uh, that I think, if we do make it to sort of quarterfinal stage, would be an outside shout for the Golden Boot because I can see him scoring a couple in this group stage against the likes of Tunisia and Panama. What I think also possibly helps is that with no Wayne Rooney, there's no. Because you, you look at teams like Argentina and Portugal that have that one play and like, oh, is this the World Cup for them? And, you know, Wayne Rooney was um, the the entrails of that golden generation and, like, you know, we're kind of fully past that now. Um, so it does feel like a fresh start in a lot of ways for this squad. Um, and it, it, feels, it feels more like a squad um, of players than just a bunch of individual talents that have been put together and, and there's never a real solid cohesion in the way that the, the team plays where that's kind of feeling a little bit more like it at the moment um, so but it's still yeah. it's still just the case that when it comes to the World Cup and the Euros we always just peter out with a bit of a whimper um, so that's I think that's what a lot I would imagine a lot of England fans want more than anything else is just for us to actually just show up and actually seem like go go out go out on your swords rather than go out with like pathetically yeah 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 yeah. if we wanted that we should have got red nappers manager on it (laughs) (laughs) um 
Right, so the final team in this group and the one that like there's a lot of talking points about, um, that is Belgium. Um, we've speaking of golden the, generations. Yeah, the the majority of the media has been predicting the arrival of the Belgian golden generation for what feels like ten years now, um, and this squad again like i'm just repeating points from the euros or the previous world cup but this squad if they can click if they can find their form are like are ridiculous (laughs) you know um just top to bottom like there are names in here who you would kill to have in your team um I i guess the big question um, before we even talk about like Belgium's chances of showing up, uh, Jack, what are your takes on the whole uh, one Roberto Martinez as Belgium manager situation, and two the the Raja Nangalan affair? Nangalan is good enough to be in this squad. There's no questions in my mind about that whatsoever. Uh, but Bobby Martinez as manager. I it's uninspiring, worry. isn't it? I, I just worry about him tactically, really. Again, uh, the same same thing as um, as Southgate. He never uh, he has his way of playing, but he never really seems that adaptable. And there are going to be games where somebody changes something. You know, someone's employing a tactic that is having success. And do I favour Martinez to be the sort of guy who's going to pick up on that? And change it at the drop of a hat because he has the quality pretty much all over the squad, maybe than other than the left back, left wing back berth, which is a bit of a question mark still. Still, but I don't think I would rate him as a manager who has the ability to change a game if he needs to. I rate a lot of the individuals in the squad to be able to do that, but they do need to have some sort of nous here at this high level. And yeah, this will be a big question mark for him. And I know that Belgian fans have already been voicing their displeasure a little bit at him. I mean, anybody was better than Wilmots who just has massively underperformed with them in the last two major tournaments. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird one really because he plays the right brand of football that people get excited about, but, yeah, he, he can be caught out in, in games tactically, and he is a bit too stringent sticking to the way that he wants to play. Mm. Um, looking at the squad here, Mark, uh, I think that the thing that draws the eye straight away is the uh, potential forward line that involves some combination of Aiden Hazard, Dries Mertens, and Romelu Lukaku. Uh, for me, that's a that's a world of choice on par with almost any team in this tournament uh, if they're on form, wouldn't you say? Yeah, although you could also um, look into the midfield as well. And, I mean, the obvious name is Kevin De Bruyne, who um, mm-hmm. has been just ridiculous uh, for Man City for the past good while now. And there's no reason that they can't put any game away that they want to put away. Um, the thing with Belgium... Um, isn't going to be the group stages because it's going to be either, I would say com- pretty comfortably, it'll either be England or Belgium to take it, but depending on how it fares out from there, um, the next round, uh, they should get through, I'd say, relatively easily, but at some point they're going to, if things go the way as they should do, they'll end up against either Brazil or Germany, 
and it's at that point that they have to be able to stand down and and take on one of those teams and win. Um, yeah. You know, if they do that, then you can see them going the whole way. But they have to ha- be able to win those big games um, to get there. And at no point has it ever really felt like that. Uh, and that's why you know they've always been constantly the the dark horse, and they will can probably be labelled as such for for this tournament as well. But yeah, you look at that midfield and you look at that front line and there's no reason, there's absolutely no reason they can't go the whole way. Um, but it just it never seems to pan out that way for them. Um, Jack, two questions for you here. Uh, I'm just going to rattle them both off. Uh, firstly, uh, do you see potential here for um, Belgium to be exposed in the fullback positions with, with uh, a lack of depth and variety there? Yes. Uh, against the against the Canier teams going forward, and secondly, uh, do you think people aren't talking up enough the uh, potential of uh, both Eden Hazard and Big Rom to make a mark on this World Cup? Hazard absolutely has the ability to be the best player in the tournament if he wants to be, no question. Like to me, and I say that with Messi and Ronaldo and really subpar squads if you put Messi or Ronaldo into this Belgium squad then they would either the two of them be player of the tournament I have no doubt about that he has all of the pieces around him to be that this is the same with De Bruyne though really and Lukaku is finding a bit more consistency Yes, there were patchy elements to his game at Man U this season, but I, I mean, thought he still, he, ended, he still ended up with roughly a goal every two games. Yeah, he ended the season quite well. There was a bit of a down period, but yeah, he he has like there's a lot of guys that are going to come up against Lukaku, especially in the early like stages of the tournaments that, that just wouldn't be able to deal with the raw physicality of the man. It's just when he comes up against a cannier defender yeah. that knows how to play against somebody like him knows to sort of stand off rather than get tight and don't let themselves get bullied by him then yeah. it, it will be maybe a bit more of a test for him but they have the lights of um Batshuayi as well who they can call on who <laughs> offers something completely the king different. of twitter <laughs> yeah one of the funniest men in football <laughs> just see that one about him nutmegging kids during the week yeah <laughs> yeah, he went to a charity event and he was bragging about nutmegging children and in front of their families as well. Is that what I think he said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, he he's just logged on to Fortnite and he's disappointed that he can't dress up as um, a SpongeBob SquarePants or Batman, which, you know, fair play. Um, yeah. And the fullbacks. Yeah. If their best full- fullback is Thomas Munier, then that is an issue. And they tend to play... Wing, a wing back system anyway really they're just it's they've, a team they've been of, deploying Yannick Carrasco at left back yeah, haven't they I know that's a worry for me because I'd much rather see Yannick Carrasco out wide but they seem to be playing this inside forward type thing and wing backs but hopefully it won't be too much of a, a, a problem for them especially in the early stages but I can see them being punctured in, as they move on in the tournament in those positions uh, interesting fact of just uh, just looking him up as you're talking. Uh, Big Rom has like he he averages like pretty much uh, every club he's been at except Chelsea. <laughs> he had um, roughly a goal every two games at international level. He has precisely a goal every two games, uh, thirty four goals and sixty eight appearances. 
which is a nice bit of symmetry there. Um, let's get our, our takes on who gets out of this group. And interestingly, I'll ask this time in what order, uh, because I think that's the biggest question of this group is who tops it and who comes second. Uh, Jack. Belgium, England. Mark. Uh, Panama. No, Belgium, England. Yeah, I think Belgium, England as well. I, I think that that's where not that like I don't think England embarrass themselves against Belgium, but I think that's the game Belgium are going to be really up for in that group. And if they're going to show up, that's the game. Um, moving on to our final group. Group H, Poland, Senegal, Colombia and Japan. Um, it would appear there are two heavy favorites to get out of this group and the the most people have decided it just comes down to the game between them to decide what order they come out in uh mark how are you feeling about group h um yeah i mean you look at it from afar and um unless you have any wild takes you'd probably go with poland and colombia um i haven't seen a lot of japan lately in terms of their football team um but at no point in the history of me watching football has that team ever particularly inspired me, um, and I can't imagine that will continue. Uh, Senegal um, will put up a, a fight, but I don't see much there. So, yeah, uh, unless you're you or Jack are gonna throw me, uh, gonna throw a swerve at me, uh, I think it's Poland and Colombia, surely. Uh, Jack, Robert Lewandowski, 16 goals and qualifying for this tournament, a ridiculous return for the man. Uh, would you concur with uh, Mark's evaluation there that it's uh, Poland, Colombia and the other two haven't a, sh- uh, a snowball chance? I like Senegal a lot. Um, I actually think in terms of on paper, they've probably got the best squad of all the African teams in the tournament. Mm. Like the strength and depth there is is pretty damn good. If you look at that team, you've got like Koulibaly. They do, they do, they do have Sadio Mane. Yep, Sadio Mane up front. You know, Cheku Kiate in midfield, Musaso, who's a very good striker. Diafra Sacco, again, who who on his day is pretty good if he can be asked, which seems to be a problem with him a lot of the time. I I just see like a really, like, like very athletic and very strong squad there. It's just a shame that I think that they're in a group with Colombia and Poland who are better than them. But Japan are trash lads. Like, absolute this is one of i know this sounds pretty harsh but in terms of like name recognition of a a team that you would expect to be a lot better than they are they've had a new manager who's just come in they sat their previous manager and since he's taken over they lost both their games and his first competitive game in charge akira nishino is against colombia so how he's going to manage that and like the preparations just been going really terrible for them. Sure, Kagawa, Okazaki, and Honda, good players, but you look at the rest of this team, it's paper thin at best. I don't see anything here that that frightens me. Their best defender is Maya Yoshida, and he's struggling with injuries, and he's not particularly great anyway. So yeah, I, I Japan. I I was really really disappointed the more research I did about them because I think you always expect them to to be like a threat for like a last sort of round of 16 quarterfinal type team but I think this team actually goes out of the World Cup and doesn't get a single point that's not the wildest prediction I've ever heard Um, let's talk about the two favourites in the group now 
and uh, I'll go over to Mark on this one. Um, what do you think of this Columbia side? They they really wowed people and captured the hearts uh, of, of many fans in the last World Cup. Uh, do you see them making a strong run in in this one, or do you think maybe the like the relative home field advantage of being in South America, plus kind of some of the players just kind of maybe not kicking on quite as much as you might have expected? How, how do you feel about this Columbia team, Mark? Um, I think they have a good shout. Like they could, if. I mean, they could come up against England and Belgium, as we discussed um, in the last group, and uh, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to get past one of those two. Um, you know, putting them even at the expense of England, but they could do it. Uh, I see kind of not entire parallels with Belgium, but certainly in the way that I think a lot of people have expectations that they can do very well um, because of some of the, the players that they have. And yeah, as mentioned, um, James Rodriguez had a phenomenal last World Cup. Uh, I believe he was voted the player of the tournament, um, and quite rightly so, because uh, uh, he was just incredible. Um, and I hope that that continues with this tournament, as I imagine most people do, because you want to see the, the best players have those types of tournaments, to, because uh, it's a real celebration of the game, you know, the World Cup. Um, and so, looking across the field as well... Um, I don't know how Falcao has been doing recently. Uh, I don't know what you two very tell well. Me. He has been because yeah. I know he uh, he had what could be described as a, a, just a complete farce. Well, yeah, this, uh, with, this with us. I, I was going to hand over to to Jack on this and say that the, I think the two talismanic players in this Colombian team, uh, Falcao and James Rodriguez, have had an interesting four years since the last time we saw them at a World Cup. Yeah, definitely Falcao. 54 games in his last 79 for Monaco absolutely flying and looking as good as he did um, in the Atletico Madrid days in terms of goal returns Hammers, it's not really been going as well for him um, he's sort of featured sparingly at times this season for, for Bayern Munich um, the weirdest two year loan deal yeah and he never really got much of a shake of it like his first season at Real Madrid he was a pretty decent return but after that it just hasn't really happened for him I, I mainly kind of give that over to the fact that Isco emerged as just a, a really great player um, and pretty much filled the the berth that he would have been taken in that team really uh, but it's it's been a tough time for Hammers I, I don't it's know if Bayern been, is even the right place for him at the moment ha, really has he been focused too much on his cryptocurrency has <laughs> he got his own cryptocurrency? Yes, it's called JR10. Wow, I did not know that. How have I glossed over that in my World Cup research? Look it up afterwards, treat yourself. <laughs> Brilliant, yep. Um, so I, I like this Columbia squad. I think defensively they're, they're very, very sound. The Vincent Sanchez had a great season for Spurs uh, and is really coming on like leaps and bounds. And at 22 pretty much there's your guy for, for the Colombian centre-half berth for the next 10 or 12 years. Uh, the midfield is, is ageing. Sanchez and Aguilar will probably be like the pivots there, the, the ones that are holding, and, and they're both 32 and 33 respectively. So that looks a bit creaky. Uh, Cuadrado has been pretty decent for Juventus after a bit of a flop at Chelsea and, and looks good there. And and I like Baca as well. I think he's a very good player. 
the rest of the team is is decent. Uh, but I, I think Falcao and and Hammers are the two guys that they're going to need to to really be heavily reliant on if they're going to manage to take themselves through. I, I definitely see them getting into the second round, but could come up against England or Belgium if they win the group, and mm, that could be a very tough proposition for them, especially if it's Belgium, I think. Uh, do they have the strength and depth and quality all over the pitch to beat those teams? I'm going to go with maybe not. How about you, Dave? Yeah, I I, I would definitely agree with 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 most of that. Um, I, I think they're a team that will get out of this group with relative ease, but uh, and possibly through the round of sixteen, but ease depending on how the draw goes for them. Um, but yeah, after that, I think they they fall away pretty easily. Um, I can't see them making an astonishing expectation defying run like they did four years ago this time. Um. Speaking of kind of dark horse teams, Jack, uh, Poland, uh, they're coming into this. Uh, it's another case of it's Robert Lewandowski's world and we're all just living in it. Um, how do you rate Poland's chances here? Yeah, pretty good. I, I think they're another like team a bit like Belgium where they have one. I'm um, sorry, Belgium, Denmark, a bit like Denmark where they have one really outstanding player. But then if you do look around the rest of the team, you are seeing solid players in in every area of the pitch, dependable guys. Like, Kamil Glick is a really great centre-half. Chesney, great goalkeeper. Piszczek, struggling a bit with injury so far this season. But, you know, if he can find himself in, in any sort of combination of fitness, then I'm sure he'll be good. Uh, it's been a bit of a, a tricky season for the likes of Krakowiak and Grzycki, but... I still rate them both at international level whenever I've seen them. And uh, I, I like Arkadiusz Milik a lot to lead the line along with Lewandowski. So, like, if you look at the, the outlet of what the first 11 would be, it's pretty good. And, yeah, Lewandowski's scoring rate is just... It, it seems to get more and more each season. Like, he just seems to be finding the, the back of the net with just alarming consistency. Like, his returns in the last three seasons... In all comps of Bayern Munich have been 42, 43, and 41 goals. Uh, that's just outrageous. Like 120 goals in three seasons. He is the best centre forward, like out and out centre forward in the tournament. I mean, I know Spurs fans will be screaming Harry Kane, but until like you know you see someone like Lewandowski doing it time in time out, winning titles getting into the last stages of the Champions League, it's very difficult to debate that. So yeah, I, I like Poland a lot. Functional team built around an excellent, excellent striker. How many goals do you think Lewandowski can bang in the, the group stage? <laughs> 63. No, um, I I would imagine that he scores like three or four here, uh, especially against Japan. I think he'll feast against Japan because that is a paper-thin defence that they have. Uh, Mark, what do you think about Poland? Yeah, I... There's not much more um, to add on to what Jack uh, said there. Um, they, When they're up against a team where they can score a lot of goals, they'll be more than happy to. Um, you know, just looking over some of the results over the last kind of six to, to 12 months, um, maybe they'll they'll find it a little bit tougher against uh, Senegal, if Senegal put their backs up against the wall. Um, I can see them getting through this pretty easily, um, but it's one of those things that when you have a player like Lewandowski and you know that a team built around him 
um, when you have other teams that will focus on that fact? Uh, do you have the other players around to to help um, when that happens? I think Poland do. I think they have a, a strong enough squad that they can do that. Um, I can see a quarterfinals run quite easily after that when they come up against one of the really big teams. I, I can't see them having enough depth uh, to handle a, a Germany or a Brazil. Okay, so let's finish off this group with our uh, two teams that are getting through. Um, and we'll start off with Mark. Uh, Poland and Colombia. Uh, Jack? Colombia and Poland. I will go with Jack, yeah. Colombia and Poland in that order. Um, right, that's our eight groups done with. Um, let's now go to the, the sealed envelope section of the show where I'm going to ask the lads a few questions, a few short questions here. Give a name, give a short explanation why, if you so wish. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll do a, like a World Cup review show and see how wide of the fucking mark we were on these. So the first one I'm going to ask for is outright winner of the World Cup. I'll kick this one off. And I, I'm going to say France. Um, yeah. Jack. Spain. Mark. I'm going France. I think they've got the squad depth and they've got a run that they can get to the semi-finals with relative ease. And, uh, and Yeah, it's it's that run-in that makes me, like, looking at the potential path that makes me think, like, France can get most of the way through this tournament without really trying very hard if they're, like, their players are, are not, like, complete bottlers. I reckon the Spain lads do it for Iniesta. <laughs> <laughs> That's been the theme for Barcelona for like the last two or three months of the season, so why not carry on? Uh, top goal scorer, Mark. Um, based on my prediction of France going that far, I will say Antoine Griezmann. I have also said Antoine Griezmann, Ooh. just ba- just based on the fact like I was thinking about Lewandowski, but with the same kind of like Lewandowski will feast on Japan, I'm thinking that Griezmann, if he's deployed correctly has the potential to feast on the entire group. He be um, feasting. He be feasting, my friend. Jack, where are you at? Harry... No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Timo Werner. I think yeah. Timo Werner bags a shit ton of goals in this tournament. I think he gets six or seven. Uh, this may relate to the next question, then. Uh, Jack, breakout star of the World Cup. See now you would want me to say, you would want me to say Timo Werner and I definitely think that he is in this category as a guy that you would consider a breakout. Um, but I'm actually going to say, like just based on the strength of the performances that he might be able to put in, uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm I'm torn I'm torn between <laughs> two, but I'm going to go with Sal Negres. Ah, uh, yes. So, fair. Mark? Uh, I will take Jack's prediction of Timo Werner to be breakout star. <laughs> what a thief. I am. There for the taking. Uh, I, I'm I'm tied between two as well, and I literally can't separate it. Um, there's, I suppose, one is more of an outside shot, because the other one has, like, has had an incredible season for club and is the subject of a massive transfer war. But I think people are going to go away from this uh, tournament definitely talking about Milinkovic-Savic. And I think 
if I'm to pick a more obscure one, I would say Lucas Torreira. Um, nice. As a breakout performer in this. Uh, uh, who is your dark horse for unheralded team that could do a bit of damage or maybe take out a, uh, a team unexpectedly in this World Cup? Uh, I've gone with Serbia. Jack. Yeah, I mean, I, I was probably going to go with Serbia as well. But seeing as you have gone with Serbia, I might mix it up just a little bit. And go... <laughs> Is it weird to pick England? Um, well, it's only the English media that hype up England. So I suppose they're a dark horse internationally. <laughs> Honestly, like I guess internationally they are. I don't like the answer, though. Uh, I'll go with... No, I'm going with Serbia, man. That was my answer. I was going to try and do something different, Dave, but fuck it. I don't care I, if I fall in line with you I, here. I had a feeling the two of us were going to think similarly on that, which is why I took the first go this time. Son of a bitch. Uh, Mark, uh, Dark Horse. So I kind of have to contradict my original answer of who will win the World Cup because my prediction, not prediction, but if somehow um, Denmark managed to find a way to win the group, um, for whatever reason, France just don't show up for one game. Uh, that gives Denmark the chance to run the gauntlet, and I think that they could pit through the games that they would get on the way to the semi-final. So I'm going to go with Denmark. Okay. Nice. Uh, our last two questions now. Uh, perhaps the most important question of all for the two of you: What round do England exit the World Cup in? <laughs> Mark. Uh, they score again. They score two goals in the uh, group stages with. Uh, a set piece from uh, Cahill off the head and then they'll go out in the second round to I uh, can't even remember who the hell will be playing Poland I think maybe maybe yeah we'll lose to Poland Jack <laughs> I really hope that's not what happens um, I think I, I'm going to go quarterfinals I'll go quarterfinals uh, every time I've tried to run out like where the teams land I think the best case scenario for England is quarterfinals in any of the yeah the times i've done it but i am also going to say round of 16 we get um we usually end up against germany in the quarterfinals every time i run through my bracket so yeah i yeah. i i think you finish second behind belgium in the group which draws you against colombia and yeah. i think that's oh, very yeah. very it's very tough to confidently predict england uh, i fancy us i fancy we could win that game though. i don't think that's cut and dried no, but I, I definitely wouldn't be putting any money on it. That's for no, sure. Neither would I. No. Uh, our final one, and this is to predict the big scalp. Uh, a team that you think has the talent or has the name recognition even to get through the group stages that won't. Um, and we'll start off with Jack. The most controversial option for me but entirely possible, is Argentina. That's one of the ones I have, Dan. So, yeah, I think my, I think they'll get through, but if anyone's going to fall, any of the big lads, as it were, I think it'll be Argentina or Portugal. Those are the uh, only two. That's, that's exactly what I had written down. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Portugal or Argentina. Mark. Well, considering that I have Morocco to go through in Group B, I think that automatically means uh, or qualifies me to say Portugal as my answer. Okay. Yeah. Argentina is right. my answer for shiz. Yeah. Right. So 
we will we will see where all that lands on our world cup review show in about a month so that's going to do it thanks to jack and mark for sticking on the, the on the line talking exhaustively about the world cup um we hope you enjoyed the shows we hope you enjoy the world cup and we'll talk to you in about a month to see just how wrong we were see you later